Good morning. I know we've recognized the team from Mexico a few times this morning, but I want to recognize them for one more reason. They're here this morning, which is fantastic. Got in late, late last night, are here this morning, and I'm going to do my best to keep you awake for at least half of this sermon, so we're going to see how that goes. Also, it's been pointed out that VBS starts tomorrow, just so you know. We have 136 kids that are registered right now. We probably expect, you know, another 15 or 20 to register. So we've got an opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with 150, 160 kids, which is wonderful. And so if you're a part of that, we are excited that you're here. We're excited that that's something that you're pouring yourself into. If it's not something you're a part of, but are thinking, well, I want to be a part of that, well, come talk to me. That's, That's what we do here. So... Be praying about that. Be praying about what God has done through this group in Mexico, that the work that's been going on uh, will continue. We started last week by talking about the Father through the lens of Jesus. And I kind of need to recap a few things just so we can be on the same page going forward today. So, here's where I started. We need some mystery in our lives. We need some abstract. The world that we look at, we have made far too concrete. And when you think about God, God is not a set of ideas. God is bigger than that. As a church, we believe in God as Trinity. And by that, we mean Father, Son, Spirit. God is three. God is one. And somehow the three are one. But we don't try to explain that too much. We talked about how all language about God is metaphor, meaning that anything we say about God doesn't quite capture the fullness of God, and part of that just simply has to do with our nature. We are creatures, he is creator, and so we are not God, and that's good, that's wonderful. We started last week when we read through John 14, where Jesus talks about the relationship between him and the Father, and kind of... What I come away with when I look at those passages is is this difficulty in distinguishing between the Father and Christ. And so the conclusion that I kind of draw, drew, conclusion that I came to, uh, to simplify, is that when we draw close to God, we do not know more. We know less. We go through this sort of unknowing But the point of drawing close to God is not to know more. The point of drawing close to God is to be in better and deeper relationship with God, which is far better. So, if last week was abstract, talking about the Father, this week we're talking about the Spirit. Yeah. (laughs) That is the most excited I've ever heard anybody when, when I say that. So that's great. This week is probably going to be even a little more abstract, but that's okay. So to illustrate this, and that's actually a play on words, so that's funny. It's only funny to me because I only know what's coming next, (laughs) but whatever. To illustrate this, I need everybody who has one to pull out a pen and a piece of paper. So Noah, you're ahead of the game. Good job. I mean, if you have one, just pull out a pen, piece of paper. If you've got a phone that you can draw on, that's fine too. Uh, If you've got a phone that you just want to play on for the next 30 seconds, I won't know any different. So here's what I want you to do. I want for you to draw the Holy Spirit. 
Draw the Holy Spirit. 30 seconds. I'm giving you some time. I want you to draw the Holy Spirit. So, what are you thinking? Draw the Holy Spirit. That's, that's four words. So, if you've got your pen, you're, you're thinking, you're drawing, it's going somewhere. All right, that's as much time as I'm willing to devote to this. So, who's got a picture of the Holy Spirit that they want to share? Really? <laughs> Nobody wants to share their drawing of the Holy Spirit? Right? Okay, Dave, what you got? Okay, it's blank. Well done. Question mark? What, what do I see there? I, a dove and ghost. Fantastic. Malia, I can't see that. I see a lot of writing. Wind and what? A flame. Ooh, okay. Yeah, so we've got these ideas, but when I say draw the Father, what comes to mind? Like for me, it's the Sistine Chapel thing where where God's holding out his finger trying to touch Adam and he's creating. It's the act of creation. It's this beautiful scene. I can conceptualize what a father is. When we talk about Jesus, you should probably have an idea of some form of Jesus, some picture of Jesus. We've got them all over the place. Go into a kid's classroom. You'll see a picture. Um, We can conceptualize those things. But the Holy Spirit, if you're like me, you probably draw a blank. Or if you're like Dave. So me and Dave think alike. That's good to know. That's good to know. There may be some of you here this morning, and I hope not, and I don't know this to be the case. But there may be some of you who are uncomfortable even thinking about the Holy Spirit who are uncomfortable even talking about the Holy Spirit. I grew up in a town in Texas that's not close to Clifton, so if you've ever heard of Post, yeah, one, good, fantastic, two, see, all right, this, the, okay, good. Did you draw the Holy Spirit, or do you have a, well, no, good. I'll look at it after, so. So if you know where Post is, and most of you don't, it's a tiny town outside of a larger town that most of you still haven't heard of. It's away from Dallas, probably halfway between Dallas and Albuquerque, two towns that you may have heard of. So I grew up in this town, and there was this guy that my dad really enjoyed his preaching. He didn't preach in Post. He preached in a neighboring area. But my dad really loved this guy's preaching. And so one time, Dad goes to this meeting, this gospel meeting that we have in Texas every now and then, and at this gospel meeting, this guy was preaching. And he got up, and he preached about the Holy Spirit for, you know, two or three days. After the Holy Spirit conversation, after all that, just preaching about God in that form, the church that hosted that event sent out a letter to the people who had come in area churches denouncing the teaching of the man that they brought in. (laughs) Because they were uncomfortable with the idea of the Holy Spirit. And I know that that's been a part of my family's past. I know that's been a part, I'm assuming, of some of your past as well. That being the case, I do think that there are three things that we might be comfortable saying about the Holy Spirit. So let's start there. What we do hopefully agree on. And the first one is this. I think us Church of Christ people are going to like this one. The Holy Spirit is tied to baptism. Yeah, yeah, good. So Acts 2.38, anybody ever heard of that verse? You're all laughing. 
This is, this is free, and don't use this. Well, if somebody listens, they'll get this information anyway. The password to the directory for our church is Acts 2.37, because we think it's funny, right? Because the, those two go together, and we know Acts 2.38, but that's probably, it's probably only funny to me. I'm really in that mode today. But the rest of the book, the, Acts 2.38, is this passage about repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of sins, and you'll receive gift of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and the rest of the book kind of ties those things together. Even in Acts 10, where they're backwards, they're still together. They go together really, really closely. So when we think of baptism, one of the things that we should think about almost every time is the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is tied to baptism. Second thing I think we're comfortable saying, whether or not we agree with it, is that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. I've affirmed this for our church the last couple weeks, so I hope you agree with me. I hope I'm not speaking out of turn. But I think that we are orthodox. I think we have within us this system of beliefs that says God is Son, God is Father, God is Spirit, and probably not in that order. So I believe that. Third thing I think that we agree on is that the Holy Spirit teaches us. Now, this is one that I was a little surprised to come to as I was reflecting. I was thinking that, you know, maybe the Holy Spirit in the form of Jesus, maybe the Holy Spirit throughout Scripture. But no, this, I think we believe this, that when we learn something, when God is active teaching us, it is the role of the Holy Spirit. So, talking about the Holy Spirit is one thing, Right? But what if I was to ask you what your experience with the Holy Spirit has been? Thought I might get crickets there. I've had phases in my life where I have enjoyed Christian music. Phases. It doesn't always last forever, but there's these distinct groups that have spoken to me for a while. When I was growing up, my dad would wake us up in the morning, go to the cassette player, and put on a cappella, the group, the Keith Lancaster group, tapes. And we would listen to those. So my early formative years were, were with that. That lasted for a while, kind of grew out of that. Next group was in middle school, where this group called DC Talk. Anybody have? Okay, good, good. So some of you know who that is. I was in a town that was probably 95% Christian, but I really thought I was a Jesus freak for a while. Yeah, so that was part of my upbringing or something. I I really appreciated the ideas in the song, but that was a short-lived phase. High school moved on to this group called Third Day that's much, much more popular. They've been around forever. They're still around. Um, I did away with all my secular music at that point. That That was a really interesting phase for me. Really liked a few of their albums, spent lots of money, followed them around, went to a bunch of concerts, all that. Uh, but that was high school. As I transitioned from high school on, kind of moved away from them and, and found myself really enjoying David Crowder for a while. Then they broke up, which did me no good. And so for about 10 years, I just didn't like Christian music for the most part. Until I discovered a group called Gungor over the past several months. Yeah, I know. So a few of you like Gungor, which is weird, uh, but I'm with you. All of these were phases in my life where I liked these music, this music. I guarantee you I'm going to grow out of this Gungor phase. But occasionally within 
our lifespan, there are songs that transcend phases, right? For me, for our church, one of those songs is It Is Well. We had the whole church poll on which song is our favorite, It Is Well, one. So you're all correct. Uh, Most of us agree on that. One of the songs that I do love, always have, is a song called God of Wonders. Uh, It's a song that speaks of the majesty of God, and I like that picture. But there's another song that I assume none of you have ever heard of, and it's a song called Smell the Color Nine. And I know, I knew I was going to get crickets on that one. Good. So this guy named Chris Rice, he wrote a few songs. His most famous song is one called What If Cartoons Got Saved? in which he does impersonations of characters like Yogi Bear and Scooby-Doo. And the point of the song is, cartoons aren't meant to praise God. We are. So if you've been saved, you should praise God. Showed it to Micah this week on YouTube. He thought it was hilarious. So, But he didn't know who any of the cartoon characters were. So, Sad. Smell the Color Nine. It's a song that I love. Because it's all about how this guy has sought these private revelations from God how he's tried to to have visions and to audibly hear God speak to him. But in his mind, seeking those things has been like trying to smell the color nine. And the song ends with this fantastic line. It says, nine's not a color. Even if it were, you can't smell a color. That's my point exactly. So you think you've sat through this really profound song, and in the end, it's really not but it encapsulates my experience with the Holy Spirit so well. I've prayed for God to speak to me audibly. I want to hear the voice of God. I've prayed for God to reveal himself in such clear ways that that I can't help but know that it's him. For God to give me visions and dreams and powers. And so far, it has just not happened. It has not been my experience with any of those things. More often than not, I I have this feeling like deep within me. And and in my gut, I'm thinking, okay, so maybe this is the Holy Spirit. But within the next 10 seconds, I'm questioning whether or not it was indigestion or something else. Like, I just don't know. It's not definitive. I want in my physical senses to touch God to see God, to hear God, but instead, what I have often experienced is God in retrospect. Being able to look back and talk about how I've seen God. And it's never in the present moment, it's always in the past. I know some of you have had these moments that I want. I know some of you have sensed God being very close. I know some of you would say that you've heard the voice of God. There have been a couple times for me where where it's at least felt like I'm not alone. But those times have been fleeting and rare. So instead of in that moment having this feeling of the Holy Spirit being deep within me, the Holy Spirit moving me, what I have most of are these experiences of reflection in which I can tell that the Holy Spirit did something. Hindsight is much better than, than... seeing this in the present. So we have experiences of God being for us and with us and and on our behalf and working through us, even if we don't recognize them in the moment. So one of the things I want to affirm just to begin is that God is present. God is in us and God is active, even when we don't notice. 
Now, before we get too much further, I do want to deal with two things. I do believe that there are two elephants in the room anytime you talk about the Holy Spirit. And the first one is this. When some of you think about the Holy Spirit, the only thing that you can think of are the Pentecostal expressions of the indwelling of the Spirit. You think of the miraculous healings from people like Benny Hinn or or these people being slain in the Spirit, which is really interesting to watch at least. You think of people speaking in the tongues of angels, and a lot of you just want to get up and scream, that's not real. And I get it. I'm not willing to go that far because I refuse to limit God, what God can do. But I do recognize that my experience of the Holy Spirit has scared, has not looked anything like that. And I share a concern with you that instead of the focus of the Holy Spirit's work being on bringing glory to God, what I've often seen in those scenarios is the focus on the person who's receiving this. And the Holy Spirit is not given to anyone for their agenda. And I think we need to know that. The other side of this is where some of the churches that a few of us may have grown up in are. Holy Spirit has scared us to the point that we say the Holy Spirit is not only found in the Bible, but bound by the Bible. We read that the Holy Spirit, but that is the depth of our relationship with it. It is also almost as if we've been given the choice, at least in our minds, between the Holy Spirit and the Bible, and we have chosen the Bible. Let me say this very, very bluntly. If you believe you're going to choose between God and the Bible, and you choose the Bible, you have chosen wrong. You should choose God. But to be clear, that's not a real choice. That's something you would have to imagine. And so, with all that being said, what can we say about the Holy Spirit? The Bible says some wonderful things about the Holy Spirit, about the experience of the Holy Spirit. When Mary is told that she is going to be with child, it is the Holy Spirit that makes her with child. The pregnancy scene of Jesus is a scene between the Holy Spirit and Mary. When you see the baptism of Jesus, you see God opening up heaven, speaking audibly, and the Holy Spirit descending like a dove. In the book of Ephesians, Paul talks about how we are marked with a seal of the Holy Spirit. And that's a beautiful thing. Hebrews talks about how we share in the Holy Spirit, how this is something that that we both have in common. It's not something that we control, it's something we share in. And Romans 8, one of our favorite passages that we go back to over and over again. The whole passage is about how it is to live in the Spirit. But by the time you get to verse 28, you read about how the Holy Spirit prays on our behalf and groans that we just can't understand. In John chapter 3, Jesus has a conversation with Nicodemus about what it is to be born again. And how the Holy Spirit is like the wind does what it wants. And so we have all these ideas of the Holy Spirit. We have all these passages that point us to the Holy Spirit, but it still doesn't help us understand the Holy Spirit. So I want us to go back to John 14. It's a passage that we looked at last week. It's a passage that we're going to focus on again today. And I want us to see what Jesus has to tell us about the Holy Spirit. 
Because I think it's important. This mysterious third person of the Trinity. So John chapter 14, verses 15 and 16. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Jesus is speaking. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. Lindsay and I have been going through the foster care system process, trying to become foster parents, and we're excited about it. We think it's going to be really good. One of the things that they keep telling us over and over again is that when a child is placed with you, you will become their advocate. You advocate on their behalf. If they have trouble in school, it's your responsibility to go help. If they need government assistance in some way, it's your responsibility to go do that. You become the advocate. And so the idea of what an advocate is is very important. An advocate is someone that has your best interests in mind, that works on your behalf. And Jesus is saying that we'll have an advocate who will be working on our behalf, who will be with us forever. That it can't be revoked. That the Spirit of God is for us. The next verse He continues, he says, This is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. The Gospel of John teaches us that we shall know the truth and the truth shall set us free. But the truth is not mental. The truth is not this abstract idea out here. The truth is actually the spirit. It's actually relational, which is strange. He continues in the same verse, you know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. You remember how the Gospel of John begins? John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Hope you see some of the similarities between this verse and that. Where the Holy Spirit will be with us and will be in us. Verse 26 of the same chapter. The Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of what I have said to you. In this passage, we see the the Trinity, which is great, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. So Jesus, Father, Holy Spirit, is going to teach us. Is going to remind us of what Jesus said. Over and over again, we see the Holy Spirit, we see Jesus speaking about the Holy Spirit, trying to explain to us that that whatever the Holy Spirit is, it's working for us. And it's working on God's behalf. It's working with God in us. It's working with us. And I don't want to explain the Holy Spirit because I'm certainly not the right person to do that. I don't think I can do it well, but I want to say this. The way Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit should make us want to be in relationship with the Holy Spirit. And this is the profound truth that I've kind of come to over the last couple weeks. As I've looked at the Trinity, as I've thought about this, and it's the thing that I want us to walk away with. I think it's something that Jesus is highlighting over and over again in this chapter. It's this, the the Trinity is relational. God is relational. And this same God 
who's in relationship with God's self. The Father is in relationship with the Son, the Son with the Spirit, the Spirit with God. The same God is in relationship with you. And the Trinity is very, very difficult to explain. And I know that this hasn't made it clearer for you, but I think that's the point. I was thinking this week about my son. It's Father's Day, and you can't be a father without a child, so I'm a father now. I was thinking about Micah. He's four years old. And I want to tell you about him just for a moment. Micah is fun. You know, he's four, he's fun. He's, this morning, he was, in the, he was in the fellowship hall wanting to play soccer with me because he just wants to have fun. He shows up, it's fun time. He's at home, it's fun time. It's always about fun. But what I love about Micah having fun is that his biggest concern is that the person he's with is having fun too. It's great. Micah is energetic. He never stops going. You've seen the Energizer Bunny? The Energizer Bunny will stop before Micah will. I guarantee you. He never stops. He has limitless energy. Micah is stubborn. And I don't know where he gets it from. I don't know. But he thinks he knows everything. He will argue about anything because he loves to. He's very loyal. There was a time last summer where David Walton came home. He, he had been in uh, New York for the summer. He came home. Micah goes up to him, and he, his initial response is, David, I missed you. Guy hasn't seen in like 10 weeks or 12 weeks. But Micah is so loyal to the people that he loves. And he's friendly. He has never met a stranger. All of you will know Micah. I know it. He talks to everyone. And he doesn't stop. But all of that, all of that, those are five things I can tell you about him. All of that doesn't do justice to who he is. At best, I can describe Micah. At best, I can point to the things about Micah that I've recognized. But your best bet for understanding and knowing Micah is by spending time with him. It's not listening to me talk. It's not listening to Lindsay talk. It's not just asking people about him. It's actually spending time with him. Let me ask you this, church. If that's true about Micah, how much more is that true about God? The Father is not best when we read about him. The Father is best when we know him. Jesus is not best when you hear me or Patrick preach about him, but when you spend time with him. The Spirit is not best when you listen to a podcast about the Spirit, but rather when he dwells within you. Church, there is nothing that can replace getting to know God. And you don't get to know God by reading about God, but you get to know God by being with God. And the thing about the Spirit, the thing about Jesus, the thing about the Father that Jesus keeps saying over and over in this passage is that they are with us. So church, open yourselves up and get to know God. Let's have a prayer and then we'll be closed for the morning. Father God, we thank you for...